So one of the most common arguments that I hear when we're talking about anything, debunking anything, is people will respond and say, you don't know enough about this topic. You haven't researched enough. You should go read X book. You should go watch X video. You should go see you know, X thing. And when I respond back and I ask like, what is it? What's the thing that I'm missing? What's the information I need to finish this thought process out? They can't answer the question. What that tells me when someone makes that an arguing point is that they trust this person of authority and they think this person of authority must be telling them the truth. Therefore, since I'm arguing against it, I must be wrong. And they don't trust what I have to say because they've already trusted this person of authority which is fine. You know, everybody by default kind of collects people of authority that they believe in and they get behind and they argue for, and that's totally okay. The thing that I would challenge these people on is if you cannot articulate yourself what it is that makes sense financially, like what the item is that I'm missing, then I would recommend that you don't actually invest in that product. If you can't wrap your head around it enough to be able to explain to someone else, like this is the thing that you need to do in order to move forward, don't recommend that product to other people and you shouldn't buy that product yourself. Go find the data, go find the missing information yourself. Welcome back friends and family. Before we get into it, please make sure to smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm. It helps us out tremendously. We're a couple of average idiots, I guess you could say, that come from humble beginnings. We were in the Marine Corps at some point, and through our own research and figuring out this stuff through our own experience, we figured out how to build good wealth and consistent wealth over time, and we want to share that information with all of you at no cost. We're not trying to sell anything. We're just trying to have a good conversation about what average and ordinary people can do to become wealthy. And by liking and subscribing, you're helping us spread as much of this good information as possible. So thank you so much for all your support, and I greatly appreciate it. So there's this argument that I've heard, and a lot of times it comes from people who are selling things and also from other people who aren't selling things. I think this is just a hard concept for people to wrap their minds around. And if you've been in the personal finance space for a minute, you've probably heard this before and it's probably thrown you for a loop. It's thrown me for a loop. I do a lot of numbers and stuff for a living, so it's not anything to be ashamed of, but we're going to break down exactly why these arguments don't work. I've got a couple of TikToks. I found some people who make this argument so that we can actually see what it is they have to say. We'll use their own numbers so we can prove that their argument doesn't make any sense. So let's take a look at those and I'll catch you on the other side. When it comes to an example, a very simple example, let's just say you start off with $100,000 in your account. And then something like 9-11 happens or 08 happens, worst market crash in history. It's down 50%. Now in year two, instead of 100,000, you have 50. Now in year two, what happens? Usually when we have recessions, we have expansions. Let's just say it springboards right back off the trampoline and now you make a 100% return. So that means you're back up to 100,000, right? So Shannon, how much did you earn? <laughs> But what was your average rate of return that advisors are always telling people, you know, what they earn? If you divide those out, you yeah. get 20%, 25, I'm sorry, 25% is your average rate of return. Now I sold you a bill of goods on guaranteeing you a 25% return. If I told you in the beginning of all this, hey, look, if I show you an illustration that has a 25% guaranteed average return, how much would you give me for that? Everything I have. <laughs> okay. So now I just showed you a way of displaying an average rate of return, but you actually were nothing. 
Oh boy, let's leave it to the infinite banking specialist to give us terrible financial information and not be able to math. All right, let's hit another one. This is the difference between average and actual. Let's say you have $100 and you invest it in something that goes up 50% one year and then down 50% the next year. You have averaged 0%. But what your money actually did is it went up 50% the first year and then the next year it went down 50%. Your money actually gave you a return of negative 25%. These are two completely different numbers. What's more important to you, your average return or your actual return? On this one, she's so close. She almost got it, but then she missed it. All right, let's go to the next one. And we're going to talk about the average rate of return versus actual, okay? Now stay with me on this. If I had $100,000 today and in year one it averaged 100%, it's worth 200000 And then in year two, if it went down 50%, it's worth 100000 in year three, if it went up 100%, it's 200000 And in year four, if it went down 50%, it's worth 100000 right? And what that says is I started out with 100. Four years later, it was worth 100. But if I divide it by four, my average rate of return is 25%. My actual rate of return is zero. Sometimes people buy funds based on average rates of return, not actual rates of return. So it's important that the education is there. Oh boy, if this guy doesn't give off sales vibes. So uh, I checked out his website and sure enough, he's a life insurance salesman and that's what he's pushing here. And he almost got it too. He was so close, but, and he missed it. All right, so the last guy. So the last guy, he's not actually a salesman, but he puts some interesting numbers down. And so I copied those numbers and put them into a spreadsheet so we could take a look and I could break down exactly where all these people are totally missing it. All right, guys. If two investments both average a 5% return over three years, is one better than the other? Well, that, my friends, all depends on whether you like making money or not. Let's take a look. All right, guys. Investment one and two both average a 5% return, but they get there differently. Investment one is down 39 plus 14 plus 40. Investment two is down only seven plus 10 and plus 12. But the returns are the same because they both average 5%, right? Wrong, very wrong. Let's assume we started with $100 in both of them. At the end of year one, you'd have $61 in investment one, then $69 and you would finish at the end of year three with $97. In investment two, you've lost a lot less, so you're only down $93, and then you're up to 102 and up to 114 and a half. Significantly different numbers, even though the average return over the three-year period is the same. So what's the takeaway here? You win in investing by not losing. Investment two is clearly better than investment one because investment one was down 39% in one year. Yeah, but Taylor, no one loses 39% in one year. <laughs> well, that's not true. On average, retail investors' portfolios are down about 39% in 2022. This is according to JP Morgan analysts, a pretty reputable source. So how do you limit your losses when investing? Diversify stocks, bonds, gold, and real estate. Own them all. So at least our last friend here wasn't trying to sell us some kind of insurance policy after explaining to us this incorrect math. But one thing that you're going to notice is all these guys were very confident in what they were saying. 
but they're totally and completely wrong in how they're doing their math. So the example that they use makes sense mentally, and you can actually see the picture of what they're talking about, and then you discover like, oh, okay, I could see how this rate of return, this average rate of return that people are saying might not be correct. In fact, someone argued against me using this exact same argument. Like you can't trust the S&P 500 because any investment that goes down below zero and comes back up, if we say it has a 10% rate of return and that is an average over the course of the lifespan, it may not actually be a positive return, right? And one of the examples that was used was this one. So this is the most common example that we see. The person starts off with $100,000, they take a 50% hit, now they have $50,000. But the next year, let's say they grow 100%, well, it turns out that 100% of 50 is the original number because each percentage for that annualized return is not annualized against the original number, it's annualized against the number that you currently have. So 100% gain on 50,000 puts you back at $100,000. So now we're all taught in school, if you add a bunch of numbers up and you divide it by whatever the bucket is. So in some case, if we have you know, four in one year, two another year, three another year, we would add all those up and then divide it by the number of years. If you were to do math that way, you'd discover you have a 25% total return. However, you see that right here, if we start with 100 grand, we end with 100 grand, technically our return is zero. And so in the example before, we saw it with the salesperson and the lady that was writing on the paper, we could show a 25% return without actually having any return. And that's the actual versus average. Well, it turns out when it comes to percentages like this, this is not how we calculate averages. Let's skip over to the example by the last guy and I can show you how to actually calculate the average correctly. All right, so I copied his information. So $100 to start, year one, two, and three, and then investment one ROI, negative 39, and then 1440, and then the money at the end of each year. We see it goes down here and it starts to climb, but it never actually gets back to 100. And then he's saying, if you add up these uh, numbers here, and then you divide them by the number of years, you know, how we're taught averages in school, you get 5%. Now down on investment number two, we have negative 7%, 10%, 12% gains, and we can actually see the, the dollar amount drops to $93, but then year two climbs to 102, and then year three climbs to 114. And now we have a positive number. So we actually made $14 on this investment. And if we were to take the um, ROIs for each year, negative seven, plus 10 plus 12 divided by three, we also get 5%. So this makes it look like that taking the averages of annualized returns doesn't actually describe what's happening with your money, that it's deceiving. If we have a 5% return, we could actually have lost money in some examples and we could gain money in other examples. The problem with this is that that's not how you calculate averages when it comes to percentages like this. And that's not how the financial industry calculates averages. So the first guy who's sitting there saying like, everybody wants you to you know, be lied to, it's like all a giant conspiracy, or maybe it turns out that they all knew how to do math correctly and you totally missed it altogether. So I'm gonna show you how to do this math properly so that you don't fall for these sort of like scammy arguments in order to try and sell you on an investment that isn't going to work. All right, so the first thing that we have to realize is that um, you can't add these numbers up in order to get the total gains, right? So averages are adding the numbers up for each year and then dividing it by the number of years. But as soon as we add these numbers up, and I'm gonna do it right here for you, some of these numbers, we get a 15% total gain. Well, we can tell right off the bat that adding those numbers up doesn't 
create an accurate representation. Between $97 on year three and $100 to start, we lost almost $3, right? Because it's 97.36. So we lost almost $3. The total return is not 15%. Ah, so because of that, adding up annualized returns doesn't actually work. So that what we have to get is the actual return, right? We'll do the same thing over here. If we sum this up, we see a 15% total return. This one is closer, but still not accurate because this ends with $14 and 58 cents, hundred, I'm sorry, $114 and 58 cents. So our return should actually be 14.58. That's the actual return. So neither one of these represent the actual total return. All right. So what do we have to do to get the total return? We need to figure out how much money we made or lost in between year three and year one. So let's do that real fast. We'll do that for both of these. All right. So by simply taking the final answer and subtracting our original dollar amount, I've discovered we have negative $2.26 in the first example and positive $14.58. All right, so then the next thing we have to do is figure out our total rate of return. Our total rate of return is this amount divided by our starting amount. So we'll add that real quick. All right, and that's pretty easy to tell. Like we lost, over the course of the last three years, we lost $2.64. We can tell that pretty easily. And in the second example, over the last three years, we gained $14.58, so our gain was 14.58. Whenever you start with a whole number like 100, it makes it really easy to break down exactly what these numbers should be. So you should be capable of seeing when your math doesn't work properly um, pretty quickly when you use whole round numbers like 100, 100,000, et cetera, like these guys are using. And we could see that our actual rate of return is on our negative 2.46% on the first example and 14.58% on the second example. Now you can divide by the number of years. So we could see averaging, now that we have the total actual return, right? So adding the returns from the previous years doesn't create the total. That's what we need in order to make an average. So the actual total rate of return over this time is negative 2.64 and we divide that by three. So I'll do that right here. This number divided by three. The actual rate of return for investment one is negative 0.88%. So we lost almost a percentage a year on average. The second one is, again, take this number, total return or total rate of return divided by the number of years. The other one has a rate of return on average of 4.86%. So now you can see the two averages are actually different. They're not 5%. One is 4.86%. And this is an actual, uh, an accurate representation of what the average return is going to be. So it's amazing to me that this simple mathematical mistake, not understanding how to take averages of percentages is impacting so many people and so many arguments. Like I said at the beginning, if you've been in personal finance for a minute and you've been watching YouTube or reels on Instagram or TikTok, you've discovered that people have probably made this argument. And most of the time people make this argument, they have something to sell you. It's mostly life insurance people. But the fact that you have people that are just so confident in their inability to do basic math when it comes to these averages is incredible. So when the S&P 500 and, you know, people like our channel are telling you, you can get somewhere between like 10 and 10 and a half percent. What we're doing to get that number is to take this 
the actual correct approach to getting these average returns. That's why on the S&P 500, you see it consistently moving upwards. We're taking where it's at today, and then we're figuring out what the gains are in between today and whenever we're starting. And then we can figure out the true rate of return over time and then divide it by the number of years. And that tells us on average that we can expect to gain. So I hope you learned something today. I hope you have the tools now to go to uh, people who are making poor mathematical arguments to try to explain away why you should pay them a bunch of money. Um, and now you're also a little bit more expert than some of these internet gurus who are running around sharing incorrect information. So if you learned something today, make sure to like and subscribe. I greatly appreciate it. I cannot express to you guys how appreciative I am of everybody that follows us, comments, argues, all that stuff is making us better and giving us more information to be able to excel personal finance and to be explaining it to you. So all that interaction, I greatly appreciate. Make sure to stop at wealthidiots.com. We got new articles coming out and information and news like uh, big changes coming to mortgages pretty soon. You're not going to want to miss it. So head over there and thanks for stopping by.